Hi, I'm Julia, and you are listening to the first episode of Finding Janine. This story begins in Philadelphia in October 2014, and takes us to Paris, where I befriended a girl named Janine that, without spoiling anything, drastically changes the course of my life forever. With that said, let's get into it. Here is episode one. Fresh out of university at the age of 23, I moved back in with my parents and returned to my high school job at the diner to save money. Life didn't seem to have changed much since high school days. I drove the same gold Dodge Ram 1500 pickup truck to work as I did in high school. I was serving the same Eggs Benedict to the same businessmen for breakfast. Julia, you are late. And Waco the chef still served extra guacamole on my lunch. Anything for you, Juliacita. There were a couple differences, of course, since my high school days. Businessmen had more white in their hair. Good to see you back, Julia. Do you think I can get a refill, hon? And I now had a bachelor degree. Yet I couldn't help but feel like I was back exactly where I started. The education I gained somehow revealed only how little I actually knew about life and the real world. I was ready for a radical change and to leave my comfort zone, challenge myself, and leave my hometown of Philadelphia. So, I made the decision to move to Paris. My grandfather is from Nantes, Brittany, and one of my first loves was French electronica. Therefore, Paris seemed like the ideal place to start my new life. After shifts at the diner, I spent my evenings searching for jobs in Paris. After weeks of job searching, I struggled to find professional prospects. My common sense suggested the best way to get a job in Paris was to physically be in Paris. I made the decision and hastily booked a one-way ticket from Philadelphia to Paris for the 11th of October, 2014. In the hours leading to leave for the airport, I found myself staring at the 300-year-old oak tree which stands in the front yard of my childhood home. I sat on the wooden swing, which hangs from the wise oak's largest branch, and looked up at the tree in awe. I often reminisce how the wise oak physically and metaphorically sheltered my home in childhood. I broke off a piece of its bark, rolled it between my fingers, and placed it in my right coat pocket. I had a little piece of home with me. With my large duffel bag packed in the car, my mom, dad, and little sister take me to the airport for our final farewell. I was ready to start my next adventure. The car journey to the airport was filled with both quiet and tense moments, as are expected when you know life is about to change drastically. Julia, have you packed your passport? I waved to my mom, dad, sister, and dog Lolly through the departures glass as they drove away from Philadelphia International Airport. 
Goodbye, Julia. Equal parts, excited and scared. I boarded the plane with a backpack and just enough savings to justify moving countries without a secure income. I had copies of both my UK and US passport, driving license and social security card, as my mother had feverishly questioned in the car. Even if I had forgotten something, it was too late now, so I might as well enjoy it. I romanticize myself like Dali, Picasso, and the other many artists who made their homes in Pigalle. Pigalle was my new home and source of inspiration. My life is my art. I am the creator. And Paris was fresh canvas. Meeting people from all walks of life was, and is still one of my favorite parts of traveling. It wasn't long before I met some new friends in a local traveler's bar. There was Olga from Greece, who had a very devoted relationship with Jesus Christ and Kinder Eggs. There was Christo the Chilean, with an infectious laugh, yet a severe lack of sense for personal space. There was Patricia, a lovely Spanish girl, sweet as a peach with a head full of auburn curls. And like my mom, she was a yoga teacher. There was a lovely Slovenian lesbian couple, whose tenderness and compassion for each other entertained me in contrast to their stoic facial expressions. Alas, there were two well-groomed German gentlemen, Oliver and Philip, who, like me, had recently finished university and were traveling in Paris. It's been one week since I moved into the flat in Pigalle. I had a couple new friends and a local supermarché. Life seems to have mellowed, and Paris is starting to feel more familiar. One early evening, the German gentleman, Oliver and Philip, invited me for drinks. We share a bottle of wine in the courtyard of a cafe tucked between the busy Pigalle streets as we discuss teenage life in Munich compared to the American suburbs. Oliver is speaking in admiration about Michelle Obama's arms as I notice a young woman enters the intimate courtyard. Distracted by her entrance, I notice she sits alone, within ear's reach of our table. She lights a menthol cigarette. My attention is brought back to Oliver and Obama. We are lost in conversation until the sun drops below the buildings. Philip and Oliver booked a table at a restaurant in La Marais and asked if I would like to join them for dinner. They were certain they could change the booking for three people. However, I had my own reservation. Although tempting, I had to decline. In the back of my mind, I knew I should save my money, or at least until I had a steady job. My English tutor position 
and the income was barely enough to sustain a basic Parisian lifestyle, let alone a nice dinner out. I say goodbye to Oliver and Philip while I relish the sounds of Paris and a feeling of uncertainty for my future. The girl with the menthol cigarette is still sitting alone. We are the only two in the courtyard. In an idle and awkward moment, our eyes meet, and we acknowledge each other with a wry smile. She is 25 years old from Manchester, Northern England. From what I can tell, she is trendy, and may be best described as materialistic. I don't hold this against her. My mom always did tell me not to be judgmental. She wears black eyeliner, which always looks like she hasn't properly taken it off from the night before. For work, she holds a marketing position for football team Real Madrid, and her boyfriend lives in Brussels. Janine spends a lot of time traveling between Belgium, France, and England, or as the story goes. I don't know how to best explain, but at moments Janine seemed preoccupied, perhaps a bit disconnected. She wasn't shy, but she seemed to have a busy mind. Again, I told myself not to be judgmental. Maybe she did have a lot in her mind. At the least, Janine seemed nice. Janine enjoyed Paris, spoke English, and in a city far away from home, these were the basic requirements for friendship. So from there, a basic friendship blossomed. Happy to have a new friend in Paris, Janine and I start spending more and more time together. We spend a couple days exploring Paris like the tourists we are. We go to the Louvre and Notre Dame. We spend afternoons walking along the Seine and smoking too many cigarettes as we sip coffee on Parisian streets. We take nerdy tourist photos, eat macaroons, and visit French boutiques we can't afford. Janine and I catch up in the evenings for dinner and explore Bohemian Paris when we are both free. Over the span of two weeks, I see her intermittently and on average two to three times a week when she is in Paris for work. There is something about Bohemian Paris I was drawn to at the time. Pigalle is alluring and sleazy, sometimes in a grotesque way. I've always been attracted to places that push the envelope. Places where people deal with their struggle through creativity. I didn't have any accommodation lined up as I had planned to. I was looking for long-term flats, yet wasn't having much luck. They were either out of budget, the size of a shoebox, or came with a strange flatmate. To save money, Janine and I temporarily bunk up together in a room in a hostel. It's a Friday evening, and Janine suggests we go out-out. Janine wants to visit a club in Champs-Élysées, which a couple of the Real Madrid and Paris Saint-Germain footballers go to, apparently. It was the type of place you had to wonder, how are so many attractive people in one place at the same time? The only way you could hold a conversation was to intimately chuck your mouth close to their ear, giving the club a very sexy, intimate quality. Good and all over the young 
Janine and I find our way back to Woodstock Hostel in Pigalle around 3 a.m., where we share a room with a quiet Korean girl. I wake up the next morning groggy and thirsty. I roll out of bed, take a swig of water, and go to my handbag to take inventory of my belongings. At the time, Janine and I are the only ones in the room. I see Janine stirring on the top bunk adjacent from me. Phone? Check. Keys? Check. Purse? Check. Rustling through my purse, I realize I am missing something from one of the card slots. I think someone stole my card last night. Half asleep and still stirring, Janine is confused. We discuss, and she doesn't understand when it could have even happened. We were together the whole time, and my purse was never out of sight. I even paid for my round in cash. We couldn't piece it together. I start feeling anxious, but decide embracing a feeling of panic is a waste of my energy. Don't fret. It's only a temporary backup card. It doesn't even have my name on it, and I only brought it in preparation for this exact situation. Geez, I'm glad Mom had suggested to bring that. A new card is already in the mail to my parents' home anyway. They'll send it to me and I should receive it in a week or so. As long as I have my primary banking card, I will be fine. I'm awake now, but I return to bed. This doesn't stop my inner dialogue from running. I'm reliving every moment from the previous night, trying to recount any possible opportunity when I may have lost it. I'm stumped. The first waves of paranoia and suspicion set in, despite my best efforts to let it go. After failed attempts to comfort me, Janine leaves the room to shower. Shortly after, the Korean girl returns to the room. She opens her suitcase to get dressed when I notice a small stuffed animal tucked underneath her folded clothes. I start suspecting the quiet Korean girl is a thief. However, my intuition tells me otherwise as I watch her fumble to brush her hair in a sparkly contact mirror. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode of Finding Janine. If you would like to follow the journey or be in touch, head to findingjanine.com where you can find our socials and how to drop us a line. I'd like to thank Transmission Roundhouse and Camden London for their support in the production of this episode. I'd like to give a special thank you to Tommy Horner for his support in the production and mixing. And a thank you to Ben Socrates for his intro music. If you'd like to find more of his work, head to his band camp or find his link on findingjanine.com. Thank you so much for listening. Episode two next.